We'll uh, use this today, so if I start moving my head around, it won't be quite so uh, bad on the, for the listening out there. Um, I'd like to bring you greetings from the staff and the, uh, and the leadership in Fergus Falls uh, back in, in um, Minnesota. And we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Pastor Adam and your leadership, we thank you for that your willingness to let me kind of be here and share. We also want to thank you, too, for just uh, your, your prayers for us as a denomination, for your financial support. It means a lot to us. We appreciate it very much. Um, I've often asked uh, what I do at the Synod, and uh, Pastor Adam alluded to it a little bit. Uh, so they, they, they couldn't think of a longer title, so they gave me this Associate for uh, Advancement Ministry title, and so I tease them about that down there. But uh, the one thing that uh, this position was formalized probably about four years ago, and, uh, and kind of the concern was is that the mission team was concerned that there's a disconnect between the Synod and, and our churches out here. We realize that uh, leaders are busy uh, doing ministry in their communities and their churches, and that's good. We realize there's a lot of new people uh, coming to our churches that don't have Church of Luther Brethren background anymore, and that's a good thing too. So um, uh, just realizing that and realizing they're busy, we, we feel we need to, uh, to make more of an effort to kind of share what's happening uh, from, from the perspective of that. So my role is kind of to build relationships, build relationships with churches, build relationships with individuals. And as I do that, I'm, we're looking to get some feedback uh, about the Church Lutheran Brethren. Uh, you know, what, uh, what things are working communication-wise, what aren't, is there a disconnect as big as we think, not, not as big as we think. So we get that, we appreciate that. I also try to share uh, some things that are exciting, that are happening uh, throughout the denomination. And uh, just, uh, I'll do that some this morning. And uh, as uh, Pastor Adam alluded to, uh, our denomination is an extension of your church and every other church in the in Church Lutheran Brethren. Uh, for example, we can't all have our own seminary, but we have a seminary for our denomination. Uh, we support missionaries, but we don't um, necessarily uh, do the logistics of a missionary. It takes, you know, kind of organization, so that's what we're there to do that. And with North American missions and church planting and church revitalization, uh, we're there to help in that area too. So that's just a few things we do as an extension of, of, of you folks here. And my other role is that if people want to talk to me about uh, partnering financially with us too, then we have conversations like that if, for those that want to do that. But this morning I'm reminded of Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20, which of course is the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." You know, it's because of that great commission that the Church of Luther Brethren exists, came into existence, and exists today. Um, from the time our denomination was first established in 1900, a few churches got together and they said, you know, we would like to send some missionaries to China. And we'd also like to start a seminary so we have pastors for our churches in the future. So they came together and they formed the Church of Lutheran Brethren denomination. So if you think about it, uh, the denomination itself is kind of the child of the churches, and the churches are the parent. That's still the way our structure is today. And so this means that when we go around and tell, what we want to do is we want to be a disciple-making movement. From the very beginning, uh, that's what our goal was, and that still is. And so uh, what do we mean by that? We mean that we would like to um, have people share their faith about Jesus Christ. And they get excited, accept Christ their Savior, and they tell others about Christ. And then they get receive Christ. And all along, we kind of walk alongside them and help them to grow in their faith and help them understand what it is to, to be a child of God. And it's a multiplication effect. 
I had a chance to talk with uh, Pastor Adam this week, and it sounds like that's something that uh, we're looking at here, which is exciting. It just excites me when churches and congregations are looking to make disciples uh, not only within the walls, but even more outside of the walls. So we... Um, um, so one thing I want to do is just want to share a few things that, that we're kind of doing on the uh, denominational level to help us to be a disciple-making movement. Uh, in our seminary, we are doing something called uh, LB Discipleship Institute. And so we have had online training for pastors for quite a while, and, uh, but now we're trying to get some online training that will be for lay people. And so we have some pilot programs going right now, and uh, when these pilot programs are done, we're going to roll them out to uh, individuals and to congregations. And some of the things that we're looking at is like elder training. Um, Joel Agee and, uh, and, and, um, and Gene Bow helped write that program for us. Uh, we have Understanding the Bible, New and Old Testament Survey, Worship, just to name a few. So, so be watching for more details as we uh, unroll this to our, to our congregations in the near future. This fall, we started off with um, some 36 students, and uh, 12 of those students were new this year, and uh, 24 are returning. And uh, we have uh, 23 that are online students of that uh, 36. And of those, 19 are serving in churches right now, as is Ben. And so it's kind of fun. I met Ben this, uh, this spring and summer, and uh, we had a meet and greet with, uh, down at the seminary office, and I came around the corner, and there was Ben. And I thought, Ben, you're here. You're taking classes. So we're excited about that. Uh, before him, Ellen uh, Johnson, of course, was a person that did the, worked here and, and uh, took classes and stuff. So we're glad that the Lord has opened a door for us to be able to train uh, people and individuals uh, distance-wise while they still can serve in their churches as well. I'm in trouble with the clicker there. There we go. Whoops. Sorry. This is Isaiah Bai. <clears throat> Isaiah Bai is one of our students. Uh, he's a third-year seminary student. He's actually from Shanghai, China. And he's from a Muslim ethnic group there called The Way. And uh, so it's, uh, he's, we're glad to have him down at the seminary. And he's got a great story, too, that we don't have time to share today. But it's uh, neat how he came about and how he's uh, now part of the Church Lutheran Brethren uh, denomination in the, LB, um, in the seminary. So as you can imagine, as you're looking for, for decide if you're going to go to seminary or not, there's a lot of things you have to think about, a lot of things you weigh about. Is it really for me? Isn't it for me? And here's just a few things, a few barriers sometimes that uh, people struggle with. Can I actually handle the, the work of, of being a pastor? Should I devote time training to be a pastor. Finances, I'm going into a life of, a life of ministry. Does it make sense to be saddled with, uh, with debt or, uh, or, or money? There's those whispers, those, those kind of shadow side of things. Um, you know, I often think, because my English have accent, there's words hard for me to, uh, you know, pronounce when, you, when I preach on the, on the podium. To erase those and to say, See that you are loved, that you're includable, that you're cared for, uh, that you have more worth beyond you ever realized uh, to the one who created you. When Moses met God in the burning bush, God called Moses here. He said, hey, I hear my people crying in Israel. But the thing is, we're going to use you. You've got to preach about you. Let them know. 
I am Yahweh. I am who I am. Is this scary? Yeah. But the gospel, the hope that comes from the Lord, is our only cure uh, to take away those fears. We have hope because we're called by God to do His mission. Don't you think God can help us in that way? If we think it's God's will, isn't God greater than anything else? If God, I have to say, if God can make a donkey speak, He can make you a preacher. I'm sure. I'm not saying you're a donkey, but if He can make a donkey speak, then He can make you a preacher. One other thing, too, we try to do each year, too, is try to give our seminary students a chance to have a cross-cultural experience, either in the United States or internationally. And just this past month, Dr. Matheson took us some seminary students over to Japan to get a chance to see our mission field firsthand there. And that's kind of neat, because a lot of times when our pastors get the call for missions, often happens on these missionary trips like that. One thing I didn't really realize until I actually came down to um, Fergus Falls was... Uh, just the cost of what it is to go to seminary. Um, and so, really, if, if you, it's about 33000 a year, or about 100000 over three years. And of that, about 8,000 students have to pay for, there's some scholarship money, but still is about $22,000 per year per student that still needs to be uh, underwritten and supported by churches and individuals. And so, over, over roughly about $4 million budget, about 400000 of that each year. It goes to help uh, pay for keeping costs of tuition affordable so students can afford to go there. Uh, that was something, like I said, was kind of surprising to me. Uh, one thing that did have ha happen last year was kind of exciting. Uh, someone, a lot of times we have congregations or individuals that want to support a missionary group uh, or an individual missionary. And last year we had someone that wanted to come and uh, sponsor a seminary professor. And so they stepped the plate and, and gave us uh, uh, some money to help do that. And uh, so they aren't able to do it this year, but they did last year. So it was a nice thing. And so food for thought. Maybe that's something someone here or your congregation might want to do sometime too. The other thing we're uh, involved in, of course, is North American missions. And over the last uh, 12 months, it's, uh, it's kind of gone over a major overhaul and restructure. Um, our focus of church revitalization and church planning is still the same. Uh, it's just that we're going to kind of go about doing it a little different way now. Uh, in our June 30th of this past year, the regional pastor um, uh, structure has, has come to an end, and we've replaced that with three different positions. The first position is going to be uh, our director of North American Missions, and this is uh, Pastor Nick Mundus, and he was the uh, pastor of our church in Oak Hill in uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, for about 16 years, and he's felt the call to be our uh, director of, of North American Missions now. And you also serve on our mission team as part of the, uh, the, the gentleman that kind of helped make decisions for the, for the Synod. And uh, he'll be kind of focusing on church revitalization. Along with him, we have an associate um, for, advanced, or for, uh, associate for um, uh, church planning, and that's Dr. Ryan Nielsen. Uh, he was the pastor at uh, Bark Hampstead um, Church in Connecticut for many years, and uh, he does have his doctorate in church planting. So, so we're excited about the expertise he can bring to us and help us in that area. And uh, so he does have a passion for church planting and is already working to help us churches that are interested in doing that around the country. And this gentleman, I'm not sure if anybody here knows who this is, but uh, Phil Heiser, uh, what a blessing he's been to our, our, our denomination. I know he served here for a while. 
And uh, so he's actually going to be working underneath the office of president as an associate uh, for, um, um, for just church support and ministry support. And so he's a busy man. Uh, if churches need a pastor, they come and call him and get advice. If there's uh, things that need some conflict in churches, he kind of helps with that too. So just be in prayer for Phil as, uh, as he and the others kind of uh, mold their, their strategy and their structure and how we're going to proceed. But as I heard, I didn't know who these people were going to be until I was at the council directors and they, and they announced them. When I heard them, I thought, oh, this is great. This is exciting. Each one of these guys, I think, just have a great skill set that they're going to bring to help us to move forward in the various areas of North American missions. So I'm excited about that. But North American missions, that really is, um, you know, our congregations are the soul of our denomination. And so I'm very excited to uh, kind of give you an update about what's happening in, around uh, with church planting. Um, church planning can make, take on many different forms. We have times where people just uh, want to uh, have Bible study, and after they've had a Bible study for a while, they say, you know, we'd like to, to get a church going. And so that's one way it happens. We also had it where we've had second campuses. Um, I'm attending Bethel in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and, and a few years ago they decided they want to put a church in Battle Lake, which is about 20 miles away. And so, uh, so we have a church there uh, now that's a second campus of ours. It's still, we're still together. We still call it a second campus. And that's happened also in Moorhead, Minnesota, where they started a church in West Fargo, and that church is, um, over the last 10 years or so, has, has kind of blossomed to three or 400 people. So the Lord has really blessed that as well. So that's another way church planning can happen. And then another exciting thing is that out on the East Coast, um, we have uh, two churches in Connecticut and, and one in, in uh, Rhode Island. And they have gotten together and says, you know what, we need another Lutheran Brethren Church out here. So their congregations are working together, along with their leadership there, to do a church plant in Boston, Massachusetts. And so uh, I just talked to Ryan, and he said they met not too long ago. The congregations got together, central location, to pray about and talk about and plan about it. So that's another way that church planting can happen, too. So be in prayer for that as they continue to move forward with, uh, with plans for, for Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, one of our newest uh, church plants is at Parker, Colorado, and uh, Jason Rognes is our, had started a Bible study there, and now they're looking to, to uh, form a church there. And uh, anyway, at our, our, head, our convention last summer, uh, we voted to financially support them, and, and here's, uh, here's Jason's story. Savannah and I stepped foot in Parker here about four years ago when she got a teaching job. As we've been spending time here, we've made connection with the community through the students and through parents, uh, through the staff at the school as well. And what we've really sensed is a need for discipleship. We know that discipleship is needed everywhere, but uh, we've really been feeling the Lord calling us here. Denver is one of the fastest growing areas in the nation, and Parker is one of the fastest growing areas in Denver. As we came here, what we really found out was, was that Parker used to be just a, a small little community in the outskirts of the city, uh, out in Prairie, and now it's become a fast-paced commuter city. 80% of the people that live here are 55 years old and younger, which means we've got families all around us, uh, people everywhere, and we know that many of those people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been brought face-to-face -face with a concerning reality as well. We know that in this nation that uh, people are under attack. Douglas County has one of the highest suicide rates in the nation. 
And that's concerning. We really believe that discipleship is, is a key part in that. That if we can disciple parents, we can help people within this community, that they can help the students. And, and we alongside them can help the students as well. And so we really come back to this idea of discipleship. Uh, the reality that God has called us to go into the world, to go into these communities and, and, and really be the kingdom of God to them. Uh, I've heard it said, it's the word kingdoming, that God is at work in and through us to, to do his work in the communities around us. And we talk about it a lot, but what does it mean to actually go out and do that? It's being with people, it's living life with them and, and spending time with them, getting to know them. And we want to do that. We are a people who have received life from Jesus. We've been crowned and we've been given a mission to go. So that's what we do. If life is worth living, it's worth giving away. So we do that with genuine friendships, proclaiming the word of God and discipling. We've sensed God's call to proclaim new hope to those who have none. Our mission at New Hope is to receive life and then live to give. It comes directly from Jesus' instruction to the disciples in Matthew 10. Go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The dream is just that, that new hope would be the new hope for people who have none. This is a picture of our church in Epiphany, New York, that they're renting. In the fall of 2015, uh, Pastor Eric Sorensen and, and the uh, Fifth Act uh, got together and they, they formed this church in Manhattan. And so I had a chance to visit with Eric this past summer, and he said that right now they have about 30 to 60 worshiping on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but he said one of the biggest challenges right now is just to get um, some people that are, have been, are strong in their faith, that have been Christians for a while, to give the church some uh, spiritual and financial stability. He said there's a lot of people that come and go. Manhattan's a very transient place, and, and to get a core group of people to be able to kind of help be the glue for that church is kind of the, the challenge at the moment. So give me prayer for that as, as they continue to move forward, that they can get that core group that they need to do that with. Other church plants that are happening, uh, this is our church in Canada, has had a church plant in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, which is kind of between Calgary and Edmonton. The city's about 90,000 people, and they're working with some different ethnic groups there and having Bible studies and having meals and uh, getting a church off the ground there. We also have a church in, in Bismarck, North Dakota that has a small community called Lincoln, which is about five miles away. There's about 4,000 people there and only one church. And so they've been doing children's ministry there and uh, in youth activities in the summertime and Wednesday nights, and now we're in the process of trying to uh, get some land and help them uh, get established of the church in there too. So this is just name a few. There's others that we're talking about too, but we're excited. We're excited about the chance that there's more churches that might be planted so that the good news of Jesus and the law and gospel can be shared in a way that people's lives can be changed and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. With our international missions, when we came together as a denomination over 100 years ago, our mission was very simple. It was we wanted to reach unreached people groups with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that still hasn't changed to this day. And one thing we're excited about is that in this, in this last year, uh, we have started a school in Budamasa with Nathaniel uh, Zabodi. And, uh, and anyway, here's a story about that.
there's a real need for good education in Chad. There are schools, but they don't always start on time. They don't have all of the supplies that they need. Teachers go months without pay, and so they'll strike. And there may be months when there is no school. The future for the children lies in education. Children need to be able to read and write to go further in life than what they offer them in the villages. Those who learn French have a lot more potential for a variety of different jobs, whether it's you know medical, business, the world just opens up to them. There are a lot of kids who, who don't go to school, especially girls. In the kindergarten, you generally will have roughly equal girls as boys coming to school. But as they progress, girls drop out very quickly because they're needed around the house. They help with carrying the water, with preparing the food, taking care of the children. Girls who go to school can be harassed, and the young men face no consequences for that. A teacher is not accountable to anyone for how he acts with the young women in his class. He might ask for sexual favors in return for grades. Girls marry very young, so even if a girl stays in school, she might be married by the time she's 16. There are a lot of really valid reasons that people don't go to school. And yet, if they do, there is potential for them to better their life. Neither Nathaniel or I really had a vision for starting a school in Budamasa. But without even thinking about it, what we had already started to do was to train our neighbor kids who were hanging out at our house. So to teach children the story of creation, for instance, I would open a book and work through the story of creation with them. And I also want them to be able to read it for themselves. So I started informally teaching neighbor kids how to read. Since we first arrived in this village, the chief has been asking me to build them a school. So I said, well, I'm not here for that. My purpose was to share the gospel. And then he wanted me to start a private school. I'm like, well, I'm not really a teacher. I'm here to teach God's word. And then I heard what I was saying. I'm not a teacher. I'm here to teach. Oh, wait, I am a teacher. Maybe I should start a school. We started a school in Budamasa. It's starting with the kindergarten grade. They are learning all the basics you would learn in kindergarten or maybe the beginning of first grade in French. We're educating a small number of children, about 50 kids right now in the kindergarten class. And it's amazing to see how much the kids have learned. Once these children have learned to read, then they can learn to read the scriptures. They can read them in French, but also our goal is to teach them how to read in their own language. But it also gives us a, a concrete relationship with their parents. So in every parent-teacher meeting, we're sharing the word. We're sharing the reason that we're here and sharing the hope that's in us. We found a chatty and Christian man who has extensive experience in teaching elementary school. And he has moved his family from the capital city 200 miles to settle in this village and be the director of this school. He has a, a great personality and charisma and really engages the children. We're soliciting partners to come alongside and adopt aspects of this project. We need a school building, just something simple that doesn't have to be rebuilt every year, like our thatched classroom does. We need to put a fence around the school property just to keep cattle from walking through and dropping manure. It's not sanitary for kids to be playing in. Uh, we'd like to plant trees. We want to have garden space because agriculture is one of the subjects we will be teaching in this school as a part of our holistic community development. You know, we need a water tower if we're going to water gardens. We really need to build a director's house. They're living in a mud hut right now and that's very vulnerable when the rains come. We have Full Bay refugees 200 yards away who have fled war in Central African Republic and have nothing. There's probably upwards of two, 300 children of school age and they have no education and they can't pay for it. 
We would love to have partners who come alongside and say, hey, we want to make sure these kids get educated. So we have great plans. We are really excited for the potential that this school has to change lives spiritually and physically, economically, for the long term. With your help, we can make this happen. Tarak was in the picture up there as a teacher, and uh, he was telling about uh, not too long ago, he had an opportunity to share with the kids about stealing. And he said, you know, you, you, to steal, it's not just you to steal big things. If you steal little things, that's stealing too, and that's wrong. Like if you take a bun that your mom's made for the market to sell, or some coins out of your dad's clothes, that's stealing. So one by one, he, he told the kids that, you know, but if we, we have Jesus who loves us, and if we confess our sins, he'll, conf he'll, he'll forgive us of our sins. So one by one, the kids started talking and sharing about things that they had taken and stolen. And uh, Tarak then prayed with them at the very end. All the kids said, amen. Just think about it. These kids are hearing about Jesus in a Muslim village. And this could be the next generation coming up. So we're just excited about what God's doing. Uh, they've started their second year now, so these kindergarten kids are in first grade. They've hired another teacher now to take the other class, and so, uh, so that's exciting to see what happened there. These are our newest missionaries. This is uh, Matt and Christina Smith and their family. I like to call it, that must be their family tree. I don't know, but uh, anyway, uh, they just are, have gone to Colorado for some training, for cross-cultural training, and they'll be heading to France for, uh, for French training coming up at the end of, before the end of the year, and they'll end up with Paul and Teresa Zabodi for a while working uh, with them. This is Musa. Musa's a full bay man. Musa helps us dig our wells and work on our wells. And he came up to Dan Venberg not too long ago and he said, he said, I can't get these stories of Jesus out of my head. He said, I dream about Jesus, but I'm so afraid. Pray for me. And I said to Dan Venberg, what's up with that? And he says, well, he's a seeker. There's a lot of people over in Chad right now that are hearing about Jesus and about, uh, about what he could do to save their sins. And, but they're afraid. They're afraid because they're Muslim. They're afraid of their families and their villages and being shunned by them. So the struggle of, to give into Christ is so hard. So be in prayer for Musa. Be in prayer for others like him that they will release, be willing to re, just to let, let go and let Jesus come in and uh, be the Lord and Savior of their life. Just a couple of facts here. Um, the Bible's been translated in 554 languages. And our Church of Lutheran Brethren missionaries have actually uh, translated about 1% of those over the years. We have seven uh, Bibles that have been uh, uh, translated into Asian and African languages, and we've also had four known New Testaments. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Um, also, Chad, Cameroon, and, um, and Japan, and Taiwan each have their own denominations and presidents and seminaries. And as they do, we've moved to other areas in the country to, to reach unreached people groups in those areas for Christ. Back in 1918, the Revnies, who are showing up here, felt the call to go to, to Africa. And so they voted at the convention to send them there. But the way I hear it, it was seven years before the first converts for Christ actually came. Now, in our fast food society now, I can about imagine us being in Fergus Falls after five years going, you know, there doesn't seem to be any fruit here. Did we make a mistake? Did we screw up? Maybe we shouldn't have sent them to Africa. But after seven years, someone came to Christ. And now, in Chad and Cameroon alone, there are over... 2,000 churches in Chad and Cameroon. And there's over 200,000 people worshiping every Sunday morning in Chad and Cameroon. And that compares to about 12,000 here in North America and about 110 churches. 
So God has blessed us in the effort of going to unreached people groups and, uh, and reaching them for Christ. We're so thankful for that. About three years ago, we started what we call the Cornerstone Network. And the Cornerstone Network is, and when we are aware that someone's given $1,000 or more, uh, we, in this current year, the f- other fiscal year, uh, we, we call them that because we, it's shorter than calling them the fact they've given $1,000 or more. But anyway, the Cornerstone Network, the main reason we have that is because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. He's the cornerstone of our salvation and our Church of Lutheran Brethren. But those that God has called in their heart to help support financially, they're the network. And so we can see that, um, you know, and for $84 a month or more, that would kind of qualify a person for that or allow us to have that. But I guess, you know, as we continue to achieve our goals, uh, the Church Lutheran Brethren with church planting, with missionaries, uh, with uh, continuing things for seminary, uh, I guess we're seeing more and more that we're probably relying on individuals more than we're relying on churches. And this is kind of true in the slide right here. We can see that um, last year of, of all the... Uh, of, in 1718, about 260 people gave 40% of all the donations that came in um, for individuals and churches in the Church of Lutheran Brethren. This past year, it's actually 271 and about 43%. So that percentage is getting higher. And so uh, we just, um, uh, just think that that might be something that's going to be in the future is what's going to happen. And so, you know, a cornerstone person, there's a, there's a variety of people in cornerstone. There's, there's just a, it doesn't necessarily people of wealth because that's not it at all. But there's people that, <clears throat> from all different um, backgrounds, um, that have all different locations across the country. It's people that just felt the heart to want to be a partner and, uh, and be part of the, 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 what's happening of the Church Lutheran Brethren and help make a difference. And, um, you know, God isn't impressed by how much we give, whether it's our locally or, or nationally. God, well, God looks at our heart. He just wants to know, is, is it mine or is it yours? And that's what's all important. And I had a chance to witness this firsthand with a young couple. Uh, they're they're um, college students, and they, they're both in their mid-20s. They're both going to college. And so I did a questionnaire with them to find out, I want their thoughts of the Church of Lutheran Brethren. A young person's perspective is fun to hear. I told them about the Church of Lutheran Brethren, but I didn't even talk to them about giving money because I figured they're poor college students. But about a month later, here, they sent $1,000 because they wanted to be a part of this this disciple-making movement and want to make a difference. But you know, it's not about, um, it's not about dollars. It's not about, it's not about um, numbers. It's about souls. And that's what all this is about. All we're doing here is talking about souls. And as we close today, I just want to share this testimony from Isaiah Duane, who's uh, from Epiphany Church. And uh, here's his story as we close. Okay, what Epiphany means to me, it means my life. Uh, all my life, I've known what I wanted to be. I was a bad guy, a drug dealer. And I carried that through and through, like started that in eighth grade. And that's all I wanted to be. I mean, I've been addicted to every drug there was. I've tried everything there is to try. Sold everything um, all across the U.S. Um, I got an awakening last year. Um, at a great time, like I suffer from a, a head thing called uh, schizoaffective disorder, which you, you're bipolar, you hear voices and stuff like that, which kind of pushed me away from everyone. I um, stopped looking at friends as my friends, family as my family. I kind of got shut out. I shut myself out from everything. And well, I ended up in a homeless shelter and some guy at the right time just told me the right things that, you know, God's there for you. 
he puts you on your path and no matter what you can do you'll never get off it because it's his path for you and he, he wouldn't put you there if it wasn't meant to be so that struck me pretty hard at the lowest point in my life where I didn't want to fight anymore I'd given it up I I was tired of fighting I was done and that's all I need to hear and then uh, I slowly came um, through my in-laws actually brought me to Epiphany. They go to Eric's church in New York, or New Jersey, and uh, they told me just eight blocks down was a church, so I started coming here a week after Mother's Day, and I've been coming ever since and love it. A couple of weeks after, I asked uh, the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart, just from what had happened here, what I'd learned, what I'd heard. It's a life changer for me, this place saved me it's it's great and i don't know where i'd be without it probably not around i've tried multiple times in the past because i couldn't handle it by myself thinking i could to try and end it either with pills or cut both my wrists i slashed my face i've burn marks all over all self-inflicted because i didn't know how to where to direct anything but now god he gave me a chance to to change my life around and what I want to do with my future is relate to other people where I've been. And I think I can touch a lot of people that way and show them the way that I've been taught. Jesus Christ is the answer, Lord our Savior. Our open prayer is that whether it's in North America or anywhere else around the world, that this is happening as a result of Churches and Lutheran brethren and people reaching out to their communities, their families, and friends to reach them for Jesus Christ. In your bulletin, there was a couple of things. One was a thing that talks about an app. We have an app for the Church Lutheran Brethren. It's a good way to stay connected with us. Uh, we have prayer notifications to get in your bulletin come out every morning on it. It's kind of nice. There's actually a catechism question of the day. If you want to get that, you can have that as well if you choose to do that. And so I encourage you to put that on your phone if you do. Also, there's a brochure about here about some of our goals and uh, things and things you can pray for us. So thank you for the chance to let me be here today, and if I'd like to close in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Church Lutheran Brethren. We thank you for the call that you've given us to be a disciple-making movement. And Lord, whether it's in North America, or whether it's around the world, our neighborhood next door, we just pray that you'd help us to be responsive to that call, help us to be sensitive to the people we come across each day, Lord, that need Jesus so badly and so desperately in their lives. We thank you for Maple Park. We thank you for the, the church that it's been to start new congregations in this area. Uh, it's amazing to think about how many churches are here because of this congregation, and, and, and so we thank you for that. And as continue to be with Pastor Adam and the other staff, Lord, and even your vote they're going to have today for another pastor that you'll give wisdom discernment for the congregation to follow your leading direction. And uh, may uh, many people come to, life, come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the outreach of this congregation here. So we thank you for this chance to be here this morning. In the remainder of the service, we ask for your blessing on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.